And I walked out of that room and I walked out of my career, my international career. It's widely believed that this is the phone that has changed phones forever. Turning to our top story this morning, and that is confirmation of the first case of COVID-19 in the Republic. I need you to get me your vote on November 4th. Let's get Brexit done. Okay, time now to return to our series exploring News Talk's 20 most influential moments of the past two decades. As you know, at this stage, every day we're looking back at an influential moment chosen by our listeners. Today, we are looking at the introduction of water charges and the political and social upheaval it caused. We're joined by Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent. Fionnán, I think it's recent enough that we all kind of remember the ins and outs of, of what happened. I'm kind of more curious about what your takeaways were from the whole thing. We're, what, five years on at this stage. What, what were your takeaways from the whole debacle? Yeah, effectively last week we were, we were marking the, the, the 10th anniversary of the, the signing of the, the bailout uh, with, with the Troika. Uh, it, it effectively flowed from there, as you say, but really came to a head in, in the middle of, of 2014 uh, with, with the protests that, that rose up as a result of the installation uh, of water charge of water meters, where people could see uh, their their direct uh, impact. Net effect, I, th- I think, uh, six seven years on, uh, you saw the demise of Eamon Gilmore's Labour Party with disastrous uh, local election results uh, in in the middle of of twenty fourteen. The return of street protests did actually show that you can actually deliver results because it, it brought a halt to the installation uh, of water meters. But also in that year, you saw a further swing to the left within the Dáil itself. Uh, Paul Murphy's by-election win uh, in Dublin Southwest uh, in the latter part of 2014 effectively flushed out Sinn Féin uh, on, on, on water charges uh, and, and meant that they were thereafter fundamentally uh, opposed uh, to to, to, uh, to water charges in in any form, or they tend to be a bit wishy washy up, up until until that point. But we have had a couple of other knock on effects mm-hmm. uh, beyond just the direct parliamentary uh, arithmetic. Uh, there's now uh, an irrational fear of any additional reform of of the taxation structure. Uh, so you've seen in in recent years, uh, government not going near making property tax a kind of a fairer system or going back to basics there and just seeing should we should we change the manner in which that's measured uh not wanting to touch it it was implemented uh before water charges they're not even alone and also the the tv license fee which has been spoken about for for very many years talk of a broadcasting charge don't think anybody wants to go there i know there's a commission on on uh, media, the future of media at the moment, but yeah, that that's still going to be. A I think you can even see it with things like fines in COVID. I think government were really reluctant to go down that road, and I think it's directly because of how scarred they were by the water charges. Yeah, and it's 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 also quite curious in that the the, the timing of it. Um, it was it was just before I, I suppose there was there was this larger. Uh, awareness uh, of environmental issues and as a result kind of environmental taxes have 
taken a setback as a result of that. The, the, the carbon tax is almost viewed as kind of a, a dirty word where this was seen as an environmental tax. It was supposed to be about conservation. It was supposed to be investment in, in, in cleaning up the water system around the country. There's another knock-on effect beyond the environment, and that is that, that our, our housing system uh, and the ability to develop housing, particularly uh, in towns around the country, has been affected by that underfunding that still remains in, in water services. You, you can't get the sewerage uh, into in individual areas. That means you can't build the houses there because you don't have the, the additional capacity. So, in effect, uh, let's, let's be quite clear, a really badly handled implementation uh, of a measure by a government at the time has had knock-on effects uh, ever since. And we'll, we'll probably, you, you'll be probably looking back in another five years and going, okay, have, have we still yeah. got over that at this point? I suspect so. Uh, Fiona Sheehan, uh, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent. Thank you indeed for that. How did the introduction of water charges get it to the point that it did? It is time to return to our series exploring Newstalk's 20 most influential moments of the last two decades. Uh, we are looking at a moment chosen by you, our listeners, and it is of no surprise that this is on the list. The introduction of water charges coming at the end of a very long period of austerity was arguably the straw that broke a certain camel's back. Um, but it also meant that we are left with serious infrastructural challenges uh, that have not and are not being addressed. So to go back over it without starting the war, I'm, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Murphy, Rise TD for Dublin South West, and Michael Brennan, political editor of The Business Post. Uh, good morning to you both. Paul, I'm presuming that this is, and you view this as one of the best times of your political uh, career, uh, because it could be argued that you won. Yeah, I mean, it, this isn't about my political career, but I think it was um, a quite momentous moment for ordinary working class people in this country where a very substantial defeat was inflicted on a government. And the consequences of that are, one, just very basically, we don't have water charges. Families are being saved maybe 500 euros or more per year. We don't have the process to water privatization that would have gone with that if they'd succeeded in opposing, imposing water charges. But also more broadly, I think it, it gave people a real sense of their power, that people power can work, that you can win things when you get organized. I think it did feed into the likes of the repeal movement. It fed into many industrial struggles that we had, and it fed into just a sense of confidence that existed amongst ordinary people. And on the flip side, uh, a lack of confidence on behalf of the government, which then, you know, had to hesitate, for example, in terms of imposing the broadcasting charge, in terms of coming back for excess water, water charges. Um, and I think it also accelerated the decline of the two and a half party uh, system and opened up a significant space um, for left and socialist politics. OK, um, well, uh, Sinn Féin did well out of it. I'm not sure that your your party uh, would have claimed too many scalps as a result of it. Uh, Michael, if we are to look back on it, and I, I was doing radio full time at the time. It was all day, every day. Uh, it, it, it was constant. And it was a series of issues mishandled by government. The narrative got completely away from them. Um, Paul Murphy uh, and others put forward arguments that had a more cogent response and, and as a result it was a humiliating climb down from the government of the time. 
Yeah, that's right, Jonathan. It's it's hard to believe that it's sort of six years on from that time now, but there has been no time since where a government had to do such a U-turn where a whole charging system had been brought in. They'd put in almost half a billion uh, worth of meters in, in about 60% of the homes around the country, and then they had to cancel it all, and pretty much nothing has happened since, as Paul correctly points out. Um, there's been no system even of of charges for excessive water use brought in since and probably won't be for another two years so it did it was a huge reversal for the government and it did it it continues to have a political effect to this day in terms of how they think about issues Uh, well not only that uh, we we have a problem um, and again not saying that Irish water was going to be the panacea when clearly it wasn't because it was historical lack of investment in water services that had got us to the point at which we needed to do something about it but the fact that there is poo being pushed into Dublin Bay every time it rains heavily uh, means that uh, we we haven't actually gotten to grips with the issue Yeah that's that's related to the problems in the Rings End Wastewater Treatment Plant which is is treating most of the, the waste and sewage from, from Dublin City and even further out to Mead. And that's going to take another year or two before the plant is upgraded. At the time, Jonathan, it was thought you'd need about €13 billion Euro to improve all the problems in the water and the wastewater system. At the moment, we have a plan that's due to spend about €8 billion Euro on, on it. So you can see, even with that extra spending, but it's, it's own, not even, you know, anywhere near the full extent of the problem and realistically Irish Water are spending money but not enough uh, to prevent further disasters and people might remember the problem we had with the leak slip water water treatment plant where there was a a boil water notice for hundreds of thousands of people. We will probably have more of that stuff because stuff is going to break down and as we saw in leak slip it often can't be fixed that quickly. Yeah, and that predated all of the uh, issues that we're talking about even six years it ago. Is, yeah. Paul Murphy, it, it's easy to uh, for for your opponents to say, well, you know, it was all angry, and they they refer to the 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 Joan, Joan Burton incident and and you know videos of guards and and, and all that kind of thing. But it, it's probably well to remember the the size of the protest that came out onto the street, and I you know I attended a couple of those, I interviewed people at them. I mean. This wasn't just a kind of a fringe thing. This this entered the mainstream, and you 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 did manage to tap a vein um, on the back of all the other austerity that that we lived through as a country. Uh, absolutely, I think uh, as you said at the start, this was a straw that broke the camel's back. You were dealing with you know people who had suffered at that stage seven years of grinding austerity who had tried to struggle, like at the start of the crisis, there were some big demonstrations, but they just led to the trade union leaders using them to get back around the table and kind of putting a halt to the movement. Um, Then the uh, property tax movement was defeated whenever the power was given to revenue to deduct it. So you had people, I mean, I remember at the start of the campaign, you would talk to people and people would say, I agree with you, I'm against water charges, but we'll never win. You know, there's no way we can stand up to them. But People got a sense, if you remember at the time, there was also a lot of propaganda about there's economic recovery happening and people, you know, kind of put their head above the parapet, looked around them and saw the gross inequality that there was recovery for some and not for others. And yet they were continuing with austerity. There was, there was, there, there was some economic recovery, uh, which which kind of did lead to the situation we had at the start of this year before COVID, where, yeah, it wasn't for every everybody. And don't we, we, there are issues, but, you know, it was it was coming back at the time, but just didn't feel it. But, but all of that fed into what was an immense people power movement. I mean, 
you know, the phrase sinister fringe was used by the right wing parties to try to denigrate the movement and to try to kind of warn people off from participating. And the, the kind of, I'd say the three key component parts of the movement were the, these massive demonstrations. I mean, repeatedly, we put 100,000 people on the streets, which is a phenomenal number of people for, for Ireland. Secondly, was real self-organization in communities, um, in particular around the question of, of water metering. I mean, you had kind of spontaneous organization of people via Facebook groups, via street meetings. And the third yeah. and crucial thing was the question of non-payment of water charges. And that's why I, I would dispute the question of, you know, who kind of politically were connected to the movement or whatever. Was it the socialist left or Sinn Féin? Because a, a big part of that movement was kind of um, a debate over tactics where Sinn Féin said, just vote for us, vote for us and we'll get rid of the water charges. Um, but all, even at the start of the campaign, they said, well, it's not a red line for us, etc." And what was vindicated was the approach of the socialist okay. left, which said it's not enough to vote. You have to organise, refuse to pay. That's what can defeat them. And that's what did when defeat you, them. Well, come here. When, when you tell somebody, lads, we're all in this together, you don't have to pay it. It's amazing how people w- will not pay a tax. Do, do you regret some of the more unpalatable elements of this um, and I, I'm automatically thinking of the Joan Burton incident in Jobstown which, for which there was an awful lot of noise at the time um, and do you regret that that turned some people off who might have been in favour of your cause uh, who mightn't have agreed to water charges but felt the tactics were wrong No I, I regret the fact that the state tried to use Jobstown to criminalise protest. And I think people, again, should look with the benefit of hindsight at this incredible situation where you can agree or disagree with a sit-down protest and a slow march. But, you know, we were charged with false imprisonment, the equivalent of kidnapping. Um, we were tried. We don't want to retry it again, right? But, I mean, in terms of... Because we were found, inter- we were found not guilty. Not, so, I know so that. that. So that's an important context now but I want to, to look what at I'm the saying is, state around that. Is politics healthier now that we don't have the tarnished of the day hit with a water balloon um, and that we don't have her feeling as if she was locked in um, in the situation? You know, it was angry, Paul, and a lot of people look, were, and, were annoyed and, and by that. Absolutely. And look, I, I, I didn't agree, obviously, with the throwing of a water balloon, anything like that. That was that was what we always made that clear. But I, I, the main point I would make is that politics is healthier because the political establishment know that actually if they go too far or are seen to go too far in terms of policies attacking ordinary people, they can face a response. And I don't mean a response in terms of water balloon. I mean a response in terms of a mass protest movement, mass civil disobedience, and that people understand actually we can get organised and we can force force change. I think that's a hugely progressive development. Michael Brennan, um, as a political commentator, do you agree that the body politic has learned? I'm pretty sure that they'd, they'd lash something unpopular in if they thought they'd get away with it. Yeah, I I think if you look, Jonathan, at the most recent example of another direct tax, carbon taxes, we've had increases in the carbon tax in the past two years, and they literally have made a huge play of increasing the fuel allowance each time so that people who are in fuel poverty get more more money in return, that more of the money is ring-fenced for just transition projects. They have been very, very careful in terms of how they announce and present and do that. I know Paul and other politicians would would oppose carbon taxes, but they were not as blunt or or as as uh, as as strong-minded with with how they did it in comparison to water charges. Another example is the broadcasting charge. That's been mentioned for many years. Of there should be a single charge for every house, regardless of whether you're watching your TV on a radio or, or on a laptop or a smartphone or whatever. And that has been repeatedly deferred and there's 
there's no great sign of it at the moment. And and a lot of ministers would tell you they're wary of it becoming another issue like water charges. And a final one I'll mention, which is very topical this week, the state pension age, the plan to bring that up from 66 to 67. The government has just published legislation to cancel that and keep it at 66 for the meantime anyway. Again, they're very wary of it becoming a huge popular mm. issue and leading to more protests and marches and they're, well, they're being very cautious about that. Let's not forget that the budget that was just passed by the Oireachtas uh, was one that, uh, Paul Murphy, you, you might have even blushed if you were delivering it yourself as the Minister for Finance and the Minister for Public Expenditure given the year that was in it. Um, Paul, th- there is one final point I want to put to you before I bring in the listeners' text uh, here to News Talk. That water charges in every other country in Europe are viewed as a wealth tax. Um, that if you if you use too much water, you should be charged for it. Um, I, I mean, not everybody's filling a swimming pool, and, and it comes down to the nitty gritty of what the charges are. Yet you argued against them. You also argued against the property tax, which arguably is a tax on wealth as well. There there is still a conundrum there of a party of the left um, arguing against what could be argued as taxes on wealth. But, but look at the facts of the matter, right? The, the water charges that they tried to impose in Ireland were an average of 260 euros per family. There was one rate of 160 and one of 260. 260 euros was, was 2% of the disposable income of the bottom 10% in terms of earnings in this country. And it's less than 0.2% for the top 10%. Um, so it's a very, very regressive charge and you know all this talk of infrastructure and everything else i mean we were the ones that pointed out the chronic lack of investment in our water infrastructure and the investment that's currently being carried out which is completely inadequate and we have pushed for it and every budget submission and so on we say more money needs to be allocated is the exact same amount as they would have been investing if they had managed to achieve water charges i mean they they published but, their but, investment but, plan yeah in but they had no choice i mean there was supposed to be water coming from the irish water charges for that now it has to come out of the general exchequer and arguably is coming away from other key infrastructural projects not to, let's not mention the children's hospital but maybe other road infrastructure or maybe paying for new scanners and hospitals there's lots of other things they could be spending that money on but now they have to come from the general pot rather than a water charge but the, the, the point is that therefore this was never about infrastructure it was always about how our taxes going to be raised are we going to have regressive taxes that hit ordinary people hardest or alternatively what we will be in favor of is taxing the rich taxing the big corporations, taxing financial transactions. That's the debate in reality. That's, that's so the that, choice. So as a result, we've ended, up with, we've ended up with neither um, because the, the taxing the rich isn't happening in the way that you want it to happen. Sure. Uh, the water charges aren't coming in. So guess where the money's coming from? Well, but that, that's why we continue to campaign for um, the likes of a millionaire's tax on net assets exceeding a million euros. It's why we campaign okay. for financial transaction tax, etc. Because the point is, we think that those who have the wealth should certainly pay for these things. So not, it, it, you don't view it as a Pyrrhic victory then? No, not at all. I think, I think it's a big victory for people. I mean, literally, people, families have in their pockets right now or in their bank accounts thousands of euros more as a result okay. of defeating the water charges. That's a real gain for ordinary people. Okay, and, and that, that I suppose is to be viewed as a fact. Um, Paul Murphy, Rise TD for Dublin South West and Michael Brennan of the Business Post. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us.
Well, we're continuing our uh, look back, our reflection on the 20 most influential moments or things to happen over the past two decades. And today we're looking at the uh, effort to bring in water charges, the introduction of water charges in this country. Uh, 53106 at a cost of 30 cent if you want to share your views. Emma's on the line. Emma, what did you think? Um, what, what do you, why do you think the water charge movement was one of the most influential moments of the past 20 years here? Uh, what I wanted to say was that water is such a precious resource for us here in Ireland. And I just don't think that we value it at all. I suppose because we see so much of it coming out of the sky that we kind of think that that equates with clean water. And it really doesn't. So I kind of think that um, it really brought to people's minds that it was a precious thing and that maybe you should be paying for it. Whereas a lot of people would never have considered that before. Yeah. It was probably one of the biggest, um, you know, campaigns when when you think back to, well, maybe in more recent years in terms of the level of opposition that uh, grew towards the introduction of the water charges. But back in, I think, 2015, when they were the first uh, introduced, didn't probably last very long, but there was a lot of, you know, intense protests and discussion and debate around that time to their introduction. Yeah, well, I think that was a good thing. You know, okay, so people maybe didn't want to make that payment, but to actually bring it into their mind and consider that this is something that we should have in this country. Like if we just heard recently that 95% of our rivers are polluted or that people couldn't swim and surf in the hinge over over the summer, it's kind of like, you know, we need to protect it and we need to value it. And if we have to put a, a price on it, maybe that's the way to go forward. If you have to change people's view about what a precious resource it is for us, then I think that that's a good thing. Mm. Now, of course, nobody wants to pay this extra money, but if it changes our focus or our view on, on it, on that topic, I think that's a valid thing. Do you think we need more education around it? Uh, for sure, for sure. Really? Okay. I um, recently, I just put in a clock into our shower. So everybody has to put on the timer when they get in. And even when that goes off, even for myself, I'm kind of shocked that, my five minutes or whatever, 10 minutes or, you know, is up. And it's like how quickly you've uh, you've wasted that time. Not wasted yeah. it, but use that time and it goes by. So if you if you aren't making a conscious effort to save water, uh, then I think it gets away from you. So I kind of think you have to build these things into your life. So, so you have a, t- a timer on your own shower at home? Yeah, waterproof. Right. Yeah, and I went out looking for it because, well, because I have teenagers and they're in there for a thousand years. <laughs> So the whole day. I said, okay, we're putting a limit on this. Now, sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't. But it's again about changing a mindset. And over time, it'll become something that we would do more often. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you think even, look, the water charges, if we've come back maybe to that a, a, another day. But do you think there's even just the small kind of little things that people can do themselves at home, like what you're talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, that thing, it's a very simple thing of turning off the tap when you're uh, brushing your brushing teeth, your teeth or yeah. putting the basin in the sink. Like, there's lots of different ways that you can just save water, not put on your washing machine half full. Like, I know at that time when they thought they were going to be charged for the water, that people did use it better, that they mm. were more conscious of it. And that's the thing, just to put it in your mind. Okay. So you, you kind of are cognizant of how much you're using. Yeah. We're asking people today why um, the water, the introduction of the water charges was one of the 20 most influential moments of the past two decades. Emma, stay with us because Brian is also here with us on the line. Brian, what did you think of the idea of water charges? Uh, well, I'd be coming at it from the same line as, as uh, 
your last caller there from a, more from a conservation point of view, but I would have been happy to pay the water charge because would you? I think at the time we working out about one eighty or something like that, one pound eighty, one euro eighty a week. But the reason I would have been happy to pay is because my water is still terrible. Like I, I would have to leave my tap running for anything from three to five minutes before I could drink the water out of it because you can smell when you turn on the tap, you can smell it coming out of the tap. So for that but, reason, um, so 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 you were prepared to and willing to pay the price for yeah, but not just for that reason, but yeah. like like your last caller said, people think we're, we're, we've lots of water in this country, but like of all the water on the planet, about one percent of it is available to, for human consumption, and water conservation and purity is not a just not just affecting human consumption. Like clean water benefits. Fish, wildlife habitats, helps biodiversity. Uh, mm. It's interesting when you talk about, you know, just the quality of your own water and the, and the fact that you have to l- let the tap run for nearly three minutes before you can yeah. fill a glass of water to drink. Yeah, well, that, that's why I thought water metering as well was very important, like, you know, because people need to know how much water they're using. Yeah. Do you do, do you have any small kind of... Um, measures like Emma mentioned there at home or, or little things that you do yourself, Brian? Just things like the, the, the bottle in the cistern and, you know, if you have a shower or whatever during the summer, you could use the water for watering the plants outside. Just small, small, little measures that can help in some way. Little and small measures. Like if yeah. everyone does a little bit, then, you know, it makes a big difference. Like, you know? Yeah. Like I, I heard Paul Murphy this morning on the previous show, he was talking about it. A great victory for the radical left, like. But who was it? A victory against who? Okay, so you 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 were prepared. Yeah, you were prepared. A victory against nature. Yeah, you were prepared. Okay, a text in here from Jerry who says, um, "Who's been paying for water since the foundation of the state? Uh, some generous um, benefactor or the Irish taxpayer?" Another listener, I think we should pay for water, but have bins and rubbish collected for free instead of dumping and burning of refuse. Litter has an impact on the tourism also, and dirty towns and cities are a blight in the country. Uh, this listener, I've always paid for water in County Galway, and I can drink it from the tap. So it's good. A payment equals good water, says this listener. I think if they want people to pay for water, it should never be a private company. It should be in public ownership. I got to meet these protesters on a march back in 2014, when water charges really became a political hot potato. Why I'm here is because I don't want to pay twice for water, which is quite obvious. It should be obvious to just about anybody. Our children, our grandparents gave their lives for this country. They gave their lives and they gave the infrastructure for us to have water. And year after year, we're watching Germany turn around and bringing in more taxes and more taxes, stealth taxes after stealth taxes. And now we're being told that our water is going to be handed over to Germany. So the Germans are going to take our water? It's going to be given to them as a gift, as part of the payment. The water is symbolic of Irish equity and interests being handed to abroad. We're very ashamed that there's water charges here. We should not have to pay, and this is definitely not on. We're standing here at the barrier yes. on Kildare Street and we've got the guards on one side and the protesters on the other. Yeah. It's pretty much the end of the protest. Yeah. There's only about 20 of you still milling around. Yes. Why are you still here? 
because we're waiting to walk down what is a public street. I think the water charges will be dropped. There's no doubt about that now. It's just a matter of time. And I think there will be an election next year. And will you pay the water charges Absolutely eventually? not. Absolutely not. And what do you do for a living yourself? I am a civil servant. I work for a, a state organisation for people with intellectual disabilities. I've already had the property tax forcefully removed from my salary, but that's because it came through revenue. They won't be able to do that with this because it's not being run by revenue. It's not being extracted by revenue. Well, I just felt that my state pension, they would take it out of my state pension, and that's all I have. I have nowhere to live, never mind water charges. It's like paying your electricity bill, it's like paying your gas bill. Uh, it should be paid unless we have these uh, utilities. Hopefully now, from a corporate point of view, we'll have a 26-county operation which will, which, which will uh, finance the repair situation positively, and the repairs are massive. It's a public service, and we need, we need a facility. And unless we invest in it now, uh, it's going to be worse in about 10 years' time. There's been so much anger. There's been blood. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's, no, no. It's, it's like it, it's uh, political capital to all of the uh, socialist politicians who haven't got a brain between their two ears. I came from a very small uh, corporation background. Um, it was a rented accommodation in those days. If you didn't pay your bills uh, as a tenant, you would have been evicted. So maybe that mentality has stayed with me. Really, back in the day, if you didn't yes. pay your charges, yeah, you would have been given um, warning that if you didn't pay and you were a bad tenant of bad standing um, as a tenant, you would have been removed furniture put out and that was it in the old corporation days. And did that happen? It would have happened many a time so maybe that mentality stayed with me so as that kind of law-abiding citizen um, that maybe is why I would always pay my bills. You know there's so many charges I mean I'm a pensioner and all I seem to be doing is paying out 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 so I'm holding off for a bit to see what happens. I suppose I'll have to. I'll be going to Mount Joy. <laughs> they were voices from 2015 when Irish water and when it came to the water charges it was all getting a bit sticky. We're now in 2020, and these people look back to the time when Irish water was a major moment in the last 20 years. I think it showed the Irish people when we decided that enough is enough, you can actually do it. Exactly. It was the That's straw that broke the yeah. camel's back, definitely. Yeah. What's your memory of it all? Of the water charges? Go away, we won't pay. Yeah. <laughs> so go away, we won't pay. Yeah, did you yeah. take to the streets back then? We yeah. did, yeah. You did, and you protested? Yeah, yeah, protested, yeah. And why did you feel so strongly about water charges? It really did ignite something in the Irish people, more so than the crash, more so than many, many other things. Because we want the Irish to stand up, start standing up and talking for themselves. Was it one of the biggest moments in the last 20 years that no, really I, captivated Can you remember people? the wheelie bin charges? The wheelie bin before, the wheelie I do remember that. No, yeah, remember the wheelie bin charges, yeah. now, God help us. <laughs> but yeah, I remember the wheelie bin Some charges. Politicians went to jail over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah, all that. You didn't like the bin charges either? I no. didn't, I didn't, and come here, now I pay them. It's the first time the Irish people really rose as a group up to fight against it. So you really think it was the first massive protest? Yes. We haven't seen a protest that big since 2003, when 100,000 Irish people took to the streets because of the Iraq war. It was the biggest march against the government policies. The rain we get, we should get it free. But the infrastructure, we needed to pay for that. Yes. Yeah, well, we've got Victorian pipes beneath us. Victorian. Yeah, that's true. When they brought them in was very bad timing because it was right at the end of the recession or in the middle of the recession. People were really on their knees. Yeah, and so it was just bad timing, but I think we really should be paying them. People are more environmentally conscious now and that maybe paying water rates would make people more aware of how much water they're using. It did get people to take to the streets, but um, you've got to bear in mind other countries have to pay for them. We don't have to pay for water, so anything in life is 
It depends where you're sitting or standing. It was a significant moment, I suppose. I wouldn't say any more than that. Kate Gannon, Irish Water. Kate Gannon, where are we? We're standing here between Stilorgan and Sandyford. Describe the scene. We're surrounded by water. So we're here at the Stilorgan Reservoir site, which is a real piece of history in terms of Dublin's water because people have been supplied from this reservoir since 1860. 1860? Yes. So wow, it's, it's that old. It, it is extremely old and I suppose that's one of the reasons why we're investing in this site. There are three reservoirs here currently, the upper, the lower and the grey. And the grey reservoir is named after the person who actually designed this site. But it's a treated open water reservoir and that doesn't meet the high standards of drinking water quality right now. And we can hear the Lewis in the background just so that way we can describe where we are. We've got Sandyford on this side, uh, we've got a Lewis stop behind us. Uh, what's the name of that Lewis stop? Sandyford Lewis stop. We've got this water, it's open, we've got some birds on it. I understand you use falcons to get rid of the birds, but you're building a brand new reservoir which is going to be covered. It's costing 80 million euro behind us. Yes, so we're at the Stilorgan Reservoir site and the investment we're making here is an 80 million euro investment to cover the water. So in the past and from 1860, the people of Dublin have been drinking water from this site. It services 200,000 people in the capital, but an open treated water reservoir doesn't meet the modern standards of high quality drinking water treatment. So we're draining down the grey reservoir and we're building a new covered reservoir in its footprint. And when that's done in the middle of 2021, we'll then drain down the other two reservoirs and keep those as capacity for future growth. To think that our ancestors, our forefathers um, built the Victorian water infrastructure in this country. The engineering behind that all those years ago is something else, isn't it? Absolutely. As a water engineer, I find it fascinating to think that this site has been servicing the people of Dublin since 1860. We need to invest, which brings me on to 20 years, the last 20 years, and the moments uh, between the years 2000 and 2020. One of them was Irish water, the formation of Irish water, and Irish water charges, and uh, the fact that the Irish public were asked to, to, to pay this charge and this was obviously after the crash and you could say it was the straw that broke the camel's back and the fallout for that. The protests were about water charges and the government decided to suspend water charges and to provide the level of funding that Irish Water needs to invest in its assets through government subvention. So from our perspective, the strategic objectives that Irish Water had on the 1st of January 2014 never changed. We're investing in water treatment plants, we're reducing leakage, we're building new wastewater treatment plants. So the work that we set out to do is funded and continues to progress. So you are continuing without the, the charge and you're doing your best to improve our water. Let's talk about water. Obviously, it, it comes from various places. How does it end up in my glass of water? So Irish Water treats 1.7 billion litres of water a day through 800 treatment plants and then distributed out through 63,000 kilometres of water mains. So it's a big objective wow. every day. Yes, so the water falls from the sky as rain, which we obviously see quite a bit in Ireland. Uh, it collects in our rivers and lakes. So we gather that raw water and we screen it first to take out large particles like leaves and sticks. We then add a chemical called a coagulant, which binds with the smaller dirt particles in the water and removes them. We then pass the water through fine sand media until it looks clear. So at that stage, it looks clean and safe to drink, but there are microorganisms still in the water. So we, we destroy those organisms through ozone, chlorine and UV light. We then test the water to make sure that it's clean and safe to drink before pumping it to reservoirs such as Stilorgan and then distributing it out to homes and businesses across the country. So between 1865 and 1870, this Victorian 
uh, reservoir was built and so many of our pipes were and uh, we understand we lose a lot of water to broken over towing pipes don't we? When Irish Water started working on leakage in 2014 levels were at 49% we're now down to 41% and 37% here in Dublin so real progress is being made we have leak detection teams and leak repair teams and we're replacing those high burst leaky mains that people see it does cause disruption in local communities while we're replacing those pipes so we're thanking communities for their patience but it'll all be worth it in the end. So we've got that wind there we're walking along um, the reservoir when this was built there was a you could say different pandemics and giving uh, the Irish people the Dublin people good water uh, 150 years ago it, it changed lives didn't it? It did prior to the building of the Stillorgan Reservoir and the works at Ballymore Eustace the people in Dublin actually took their water from the canal so there were huge treatment challenges and obviously people got very sick because they were drinking water that wasn't properly treated so when the Stolorgan Reservoir was built and when this infrastructure was put in place in 1865 to 1870 it created a huge increase in public health at the time. I'd love a glass of water after that. I think you should, it's safe to drink. <laughs> But now we want to return to our series exploring the 20 most influential moments of the past two decades as voted on by you, the News Talk listener. And today, that issue, that most influential moment is water charges and the whole water charges protest and the subsequent U-turn from government to discuss. I am joined now by Brendan Ogle, National Coordinator of Right to Water and the author of To a New Republic, How the Fight for Water is Changing Ireland. Brendan, you're very welcome uh, to the show. Uh, To what extent was this about more than water? Well, uh, to to a large extent. um, uh, The whole campaign which began in 2014 um, and continued, and in fact still continues to some extent, um, you know, happened in the austerity era. Uh, there is a history, of course, in Ireland of people uh, liking the fact that we pay for our water through progressive general taxation and not liking the idea that we have um, a second way of paying imposed in terms of water bills. So there's a history going back to the, to the 90s, to the 80s. So you know, the government seemed to, to not be aware of that. But I suppose, really, in the austerity era, we had gone through austerity from 2008. The country had been broken, had gone through what I called, in, in the book you referred to, a national collective trauma. We had taken every medicine given to us by the Troika, almost without protest. And just as the Troika were leaving Ireland, in fact, they had left, the, 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 the Troika had left, uh, the Fine Gael and Labour government of that time decided to go ahead with this measure and try to impose a, a secondary set of water charges. Uh, so so while, while the issue had an historic provenance to the Irish people, certainly it was in the austerity era. People had enough. You know, we heard the phrase at the time, you know, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And, yeah. and massive protests emerged. So, 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 so the answer is both, I think, Kieran. And at what point did you realise, when you look back now, that, that this was going to be... I suppose something bigger than anything we had seen before. Or put it this way, when did you realise that you were going to get people on the street following you in these protest marches that generally wouldn't be the type of person who'd be out following you at a protest, you know, mm. I, without being unkind? No, no, I'd like to come back to that because I want to make a point about that, but, and I don't think you are being unkind. Um, we followed the people, actually. 
Um, it was the, okay. the, the people in, in, in Cork in particular who began by protesting the imposition of water meters. Like literally a woman went out and stood on the shore outside her house and said, you're not putting a water meter there. Um, that's going back to the history on the issue. And, and her street, her housing estate, it spread to even more in Dublin 9. You know, the trade unions uh, who provided 98% of the funding for the campaign over the four years and the political alliance, I use the word alliance loosely there, Kieran, mm. um, that formed around the issue, um, followed the people. This was citizen-led. So when did I realise that? Um, I suppose the first demonstration was, the, right, the water demonstration, that is, the umbrella campaign it was the 14th of October. We met the Garda, the Garda in Store Street the day before. It was a Saturday afternoon. Mm. Uh, it was to be at, at O'Connell Street. The Garda had, had said that they were getting uh, intelligence that there could be big numbers. There could be up to, to 15 to 20,000. We were blowing away by that. We hadn't prepared for that. Um, there had, as, I, as I said, there had been no major protests throughout the austerity era. Upwards of, of 100,000 attended that day. Yeah. And I suppose we were kind of taken aback we said is, is this just a once off we have once off marches before the tax marches yeah. um, which had those numbers so we called a, a day of demonstrate local demonstrations just, just three weeks later on the 1st of November 2014 um, we just said we couldn't obviously organise dozens of demonstrations we provide some leaflets we provide some microphones we yeah. provide some uh, 106 demonstrations took place we initially okay. thought well, there might be 30. So we knew then we were on to something well, really big. Uh, Fergus O'Dowd, Fine Gael TD for Loud, he's a former Minister of State at the Department of Environment during all of this, is on the line as well. And Fergus, I think we might have caught you while, while a voting bell is ringing there in the Oireachtas. Apologies if, if it is still ringing. Uh, but but great, stuff, uh, great stuff. Listen, at, at what point, and I know you were listening to Brendan there, at, at what point, I know you would have expected opposition to this at the time, but at what point did you start to really worry about the level of opposition? Did you realise... Well, oh God, we might well, have I think it, off here. it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't so much uh, opposition as such. It was the task that had to be performed was to modernise our water infrastructure, and given the significant adverse economic uh, circumstances at the time, uh, the government had no choice but to go ahead with what they did. The difficulty I had with all of that, and I was the junior minister, not the senior minister. That was the privilege of Phil Hogan. Uh, was to deal with the legislation in relation to this. But I knew from the very beginning, and I advised all of the people, including Minister Hogan and all the senior staff, that we were doing it the wrong way, uh, that we should cut the, the leakage of water, which was over 50% at the time. It's down now to 42%. Uh, and that we should, we should show goodwill by fixing the leaks and sorting so, so out in other words, issues. you're saying you weren't surprised when we saw this 100,000 no, people no, no, on the, no, 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 I predicted it. I predicted it for months, uh, and and it didn't happen for months, but it did happen. I, I understand why it happened, and I understand the message and wasn't sold publicly or properly to the people. And uh, how, fraught so, yeah, did, how fraught did those conversations get within government circles and between yourself and, and, and the senior minister when you were saying, look, I, I told you this was going to happen. There, there's 100,000 people yeah. out there. We can't go ahead with it now. Well, well, there's one stage I was asked to desist from my proposal, which was that uh, we should not fit water meters until we had gone ahead with fixing the leaks and shown the goodwill of the government towards the essential needs of the country. And I was told at that meeting, and there was five or six people present, including Minister Hogan and senior officials, I was told that that was the last time I could use that argument in that particular uh, position. 
So I had no choice but to but to go along with it. But the, the principle involved is a very important principle. Today, there are 35 towns discharging completed sewage into our lakes, our rivers, and seasides. You have 78. Yeah. Sorry, we have. Sorry, I just. We have seventy-eight. Uh, sorry, I tell you, it um, sounds like you might have to just r- run out there, Fergus, for for a moment. I w- I'll go back to Brendan Ogle, uh, like I said, national coordinator of Right to Water, who's on the line. Brendan, w- w- the reason this is part of the series is people talked about it as being one of the most influential, which I suppose means or implies that it 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 it, it had an impact beyond just the event itself. Like, is there a legacy to this day of the of that protest movement? There is. Um, there is a huge legacy, and it's not all good. The first thing to say is it's the first, it was the first time, um, and, and if, if Fergus predicted it, by the way, he's the only person I've ever heard saying he predicted it. I hope he was a betting man and he put a few pounds on it. Um, the, it's the first time since independence that an economic policy of not one but two governments were successfully overturned by a social movement. It has never happened before. In economic policy now, we've had social policies overturned. It has never happened before, and it has never happened since. And it happened because a particular model uh, was built around the umbrella campaign. It says, as it says, it came, from the, it came from the housing estates, it came from the streets, it came from the communities. And, and what the unions were able to do, um, and, the, and the political parties, but what the unions were able to do is bring arguments and bring, bring, bring some economics, bring an international dimension. We brought people from the United Nations. We brought people from Detroit who, who, who were effectively starved of water. We brought mm. the European water movement. Um, and it's all, you know, brushed over now as people marched and the government did away with it. The government lost the political and the intellectual argument. And the government lost the political argument in the 2016 election. That's the biggest legacy. Uh, the Labour Party, and the best thing, that the, the, the biggest achievement of Fine Gael and water charges, by the way, when, is when Phil Hogan went to Brussels, is Fine Gael somehow managed to get Labour to take it over. Um, and Labour got the blame, uh, deservedly so. Um, they went from 37 seats to 7 seats. They lost 80% of their seats. And Fine Gael lost um, a third of their seats. Mm. So the government... They still ended up in government, Brennan. Still in government well, to they this ended day. Up, they ended up in a minority government and, and, and the face of politics has changed. Now, what hasn't happened, what hasn't happened is having, having stumbled upon, and we stumbled upon it, having stumbled upon a campaign model that won and that overturned an economic policy. That coalition of trade unionists, community activists, and, and, and the politi- we call it the broad political left, um, people ran away from it. And unfortunately, despite the fact that the, the economic argument was won and the political argument was won, I have to be honest, and we're in reflective mode now, Fine Gael have been damaged, the Labour Party have been damaged, but the trade union movement is no stronger as a result of it. We're no closer to a political well, alignment Why do you think that is? I, I think it's because, well, I have my own personal reasons as to why I think it is. I think a lot of the reasons. Well, tell are me personal. your personal reasons. Um, I, I, I think politically, um, I think the political left, um, so the small range of political parties and independents on the left, didn't like being forced to work together. It's not their natural bailiwick. And I suppose the trade unions and the community activists almost forced them to work together against their impulses to, to, to attack each other. Uh, and once it was over, I think they kind of said to each other, and they said maybe in their heads, and I think they did say it to each other, we're never getting into a campaign again where people in, people in housing estates and people in unions are telling us what to do. 
So we've gone from a situation where there was the potential for a broad centre-left coalition to build, where that, mm. where that was lost. And that, and that coalition hasn't emerged on housing, where it's greatly needed, by the way. It hasn't emerged. It hasn't emerged in terms of the health service. It hasn't emerged in terms of the pandemic. Um, we've, we've got as many fractured little parties as we've always had. Uh, and, and that's happened against the background where the two big parties, Fine Gael and Fine Fáil, are historically weak. But apart from Sinn Féin, there's nobody there to replace them. So I yeah. think a major opportunity has been lost by the left in Ireland. And that's my personal reflection. People who campaigned with me will be listening to this and saying, do you hear him saying that? You know, but that is my personal honest <laughs> yeah. reflection. I think the political left blew it. All right, you're entitled to that. Uh, a personal and honest reflection. If Fergus O'Dowd, the Fine Gael TD, is still on the line. Fergus, would you agree with Brendan that, that Fine Gael are damaged and some of that were damaged at the time? It's hard to disagree with that. Uh, but but that damage fine. continues to this day? I don't think so. No, I think people realised following the pandemic, uh, which we have this year, that the prudent management of the economy, which we did, worked because we didn't owe as much money as we would have. You know, and I'm not just talking about water issues, I'm talking about prudent economics. And Brendan talks about campaigns and flags and unions. Well, I want to talk about people and services and what we need to do. What we need to do, obviously, we all have to pay for water through our taxation. Uh, and that's that's what the people have decided. But I think the main, the most important thing of all is that the country moves forward and that there's jobs for people and there's investment in infrastructure. And if people want to open up an industry in Dublin that there isn't a perceived shortage of water for them to operate in, if that's what they need, and that we, we address that issue right across the country and the 35 towns I spoke about before, the 78 treatment plants that are that are that are that not working properly. Uh, you know, that we have something like I think about 100,000 lead services into homes and businesses mm. that we need to remove. So this, we're spending 3.5 billion on water services since 2017. We need to spend a lot more, but we can't spend it because we'd have to increase taxation by too much. And that's the kernel. That's where Brendan is wrong. He's wrong in that setting up an entity like DSB which can borrow and build on its infrastructure without increasing taxes on people. That was the principle. Now, the principle was lost, and I understand that, and that's the will of the people, and that isn't going to be reversed, but we're losing out the results. So, but that, that's, that, that is life. That's what you you think that, they're, they're, that. They're, they're, there's still a strong argument to go back to the Irish water model, just do it the other way around, fix fix the leaks, and, well, and well, then they, create the utility. Well, the utility's been created, well, but I well, suppose proceed well, with the, charges. That was my... Yeah, no, no, but uh, yes, but the point is you're paying the charges anyway when you pay your tax, you know. So, so the, the problem yeah, I suppose is Brendan's people, point though is that yeah. like it, you know we're 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 paying that there was no proposal but, to yeah. reduce taxes to yeah. to to move the charges, uh, you know, into Irish no, but water. Taxes, but taxes, but but that three point five billion that has been spent uh, uh, since 2017, that's all on your income tax. Whereas if it was if it was paid by use. And if you give families a fair and a free use up to the number in the household, it, right. it would mean that people well, who waste water would be paying for it instead of instead of uh, everybody that pays tax paying for all right. you know, well, for water on I think I think I hear that bell in the Oireachtas ring again. Look, I'm going to let you both go. Fergus O'Dowd, Fine Gael TD for Lyle, former Minister of State at the Department of the Environment, and Brendan Ogle, National Coordinator of Right to Water and the author of To a New Republic, How the Fight for Water is Changing Ireland. 